Good morning. Oh boy, everybody's tired. Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. We are glad you are here this morning. Hopefully you guys had a little bit of sleep. Did anybody stay up for the fireworks on Pikes Peak? Oh, you did. Were they pretty? Because I didn't look. <laughs> well, we are going to get started this morning. I'm excited to start this new year with Jesus. Anybody else excited to start the new year with Jesus? I'm excited that we have him in our, on our side. So would you stand with me? Let's welcome the Holy Spirit in, and we will begin this morning. Lord Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being here. Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done this last year. Whether it's good or bad, we know you're in the middle of it. And Father, we are grateful for that. And Lord, I just thank you as we walk into this new year and we've taken our first step into it, I pray that you will be the center of it all. I pray that you will be our focus, that you will draw us near to you, and that we will draw, we will come to you, Jesus, because we know that if we come to you, you will just pull us right in even more. So Lord, I pray that we will be focused on you this morning. I pray for our church. I pray for our future pastor, Jesus. I pray that you will just move in that, that we will trust you, that we will be fervent in our prayers. And Lord, I pray this morning we will step into your throne room and that we will enjoy your presence and that we will seek you because we know we'll find you there. So Lord, we love you and we just give you this morning and pray that you're pleased with our offerings, Jesus. We love you. In your name and all God's people said, amen. Let's start our morning of worship.
just turn to the people around you. Welcome them. Say Happy New Year. Say Jesus is here. We're glad you're here this morning. We are glad everyone is here this morning. I'm going to have you go ahead and take your seats. Just a couple things we want to make sure you guys are aware of. If you guys would pray for Pastor Ben and Pastor Kelly. They left early this morning. They're making a very slow start to come back and joining themselves on the way back. But pray for them. They've had a lot of weather back east, so we want to make sure they're prayed over fully. So, if you'd remember to do that. Also, we want to make sure um, this Wednesday we are going to be tearing down all of the Christmas decorations and putting them away, and we would love to have help with that. So we're going to meet at 3 o'clock and just try to push it out as much as we can and get it down and put away and set off our new year cleaned up, <laughs> which is always good. And another reminder, the youth group is not meeting today, so enjoy your time with your family and next week they'll resume again. And then we also have Scott Meyer, who's going to come up and give us an update from the board this morning. You can come that way, Scott. Well, good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Woodland Park, Church of the Nazarene. <clears throat> Didn't really need to do that over the microphone. Uh, so just a real short message um, that uh, regarding the pastoral search, we would like to invite everyone to be involved with that. And my friend Mike McNally, who's not here today, had a great idea to set apart uh, some time on a weekend for the congregation to be invited to come together and pray for, for that pastoral search. So we want to give you a heads up for four Sundays this month, beginning next week. We would like to have everyone that can stay after service for about an hour, and we'll do that four consecutive Sundays, and we'll just have a time to pray for the pastoral search itself. The pastoral search is going on. Uh, there are candidates being reviewed by, by our, our fearless leader, and we would expect that we'll get together uh, with, with him fairly shortly, but we don't have a date yet. But um, I would like to just really, uh, really take this to heart, that we all should be praying about this, and I think there's no better way to do that than in corporate prayer, and then we take that home with us and be reminded of it frequently. 
So thank you very much, and you're all invited. It'll be immediately after the service for the next four Sundays, but not today. Make sense? Thank you very much. Pastor Ben's going to watch this video and really be proud of me because we're doing a parade of people. I'm here to say we're going to take the offering, and they're ahead of me. So let me pray as you go ahead. Father, I ask your blessings on our giving, upon our lives. We pray for our church pray that uh, you would help us to be good stewards of all that you entrust to us. Help us to be faithful. I give you praise and thank you for it all. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to continue our worship. If you would stand. Before I had a name, before I needed grace. 
you never gave up on me and you were my testimony saying earlier that isn't it wonderful to go into the new year knowing that Jesus is already there. He's already in our new year. He's already already ahead of us. He's our firm foundation. I love this chorus in here. It says, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken. Has anybody been shaken? Your world is shaken? I've never been more glad because he's there. Then I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? Isn't that perfect to go into the new year knowing he's right there? Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus, because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under I'm not held by my 
think of all those crowns being cast down to worship you and to honor you and join us. That's the place we want to be. Father, I'm grateful that you are the Alpha and the Omega, that you are above all things, that you are sovereign, that you are a holy God, that there's nothing beside you, that there is nothing that trumps you, Lord. You are our all in all. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for the honor that we get to bow before you. You are mighty. We thank you for this time with you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit being here and walking among us holding us right where we're at and knowing every detail and every hair on our head and that it's all in the palm of your hand where our names are written. How precious you are, Father. We love you, Lord. And I ask you to be with Pastor Tim as he brings your word now, Jesus. Pour your spirit through him cover him and protect him and pour your word out and change us, Jesus, and grow us and root us down in you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. I spoke here several months ago and afterwards I was telling my friend Larry King that basically that morning I had been preaching to myself and he said well if you didn't need it why would you be feeding it to us this morning I may be preaching to myself but you're welcome to listen in if you'd like to and perhaps God has something to say to us today that none of us expected or planned. Maybe he has something to say to me that I hadn't anticipated before I walked to the platform this morning. It was 1927 when a submarine collided with a Coast Guard destroyer off the coast of Cape Cod. And the collision tore a gaping hole in the side of that submarine and it flooded and the initial accident killed most of the 40 crewmen aboard but six men in the torpedo room were sealed off by water by watertight doors and they were safe but no one knew for how long they might be safe the navy scrambled to deploy rescue vessels to save as many men as they possibly could before it was too late divers dove into the depths of the icy atlantic and if the situation wasn't bad enough, a storm suddenly moved into the area. But despite what seemed like impossible circumstances, odds that were certainly against them, rescue crews continued their efforts, and as the divers got closer to the submarine, they heard the survivors tapping on the inside in Morse code. Is there any hope? 
Is there any hope? That's probably a legitimate question to ask at the beginning of this new year. When you consider <laughs> that we actually live in a world that sometimes seems pretty hopeless. It's a mess. I mean, you look at our nation, and on this first day of the year, I'm talking to you about hopeless or hope. And here I am beginning by talking about the mess we're in as a nation, the mess our world is in. I mean, I say it's a mess, and I'm like most of you. I lived through the 60s. I know what a mess looks like. I guess it's the prerogative, though, of old men to grumble about the state of the union because it's not the same state it was when we were younger and gasoline was 27 cents a gallon and our only fear was being drafted and sent to Vietnam. My hat's off to those of you who went and served in my place. Thank you. But if hopelessness isn't generated by what's going on in our world or in our nation, then it comes sometimes from whatever's happening within our marriage or our family or our children or our grandchildren. Or Then it becomes, as we grow older, health issues that we begin to be concerned about and sometimes feel hopeless about. Or it becomes finances. And aren't we so excited, those of us who receive that check from the government every week, that the president gave us that incredible raise this past week? Yeah. I was looking at my wife's Social Security. We got a not notification that her Social Security had been, had been raised. And as I read down through it, I realized that she got a net increase of $3 a month. Thank you so much, Washington, D.C. I appreciate it. Hopeless. It seems like we just get through one situation and we're slammed with another. I've been reading through the New Testament again and came once more on that scene of the crucifixion of Jesus the Christ. And I'm not sure that there are sadder words or a sadder phrase in the entirety of the Word of God than the words He spoke when He turned His face toward heaven and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was Jesus. So I think we have to accept the fact that if my Jesus expressed that feeling that all hope may be gone, we shouldn't be too surprised when we think about saying the same thing on occasion. My attention was then drawn to the revelation of John, the apostle, in chapter 1 of this last book of your Bible, let me read beginning with verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. John had been banished to the Isle of Patmos. You know that story. It's just really a little rock, I'm told, measuring four miles by eight miles. And it's there off the coast of Turkey. And in the past, the Roman government had maintained that rock as a quarry. And that was the place where they would take people who were prisoners or people who were just troublemakers, and they were banished there to supply the workforce to quarry the rock that they needed in other places in the Roman Empire. 
and they would live out their lives there until they died from malnutrition or exhaustion. And John tells us that he was there, and he tells us why. I hadn't ever caught wind of that before. He tells us why he's there. He says because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He says, I'm on this island because of my faith. I'm on this island because I've been trying to work in the process of letting people have a relationship with the living God. Now, whether that island was still a quarry when he was there is unknown. It may have just been a convenient place to discard the deplorables until the birds picked them clean and the sun bleached their bones white. What we do know is that it was a, it was a forbidding, foreboding place for an old man to spend his final days alone. I, I'm not sure that many punishments are worse than isolation. If you're a gregarious person, you just, you just want to be around folks. Being away from people. It's why solitary confinement is so dreaded by prison inmates. Those who have been to the Isle of Patmos tell me, I've never been there. But they say when you're there on that island, there isn't a tree, there's not a blade of grass, there are no flowers, it's just rocks. And John was there to die. And I picture him in my mind. Here's this gentleman who had had heavy responsibility of leadership within this newfound church. He had spent time with little congregations in house churches. And he had been there for board meetings and committee meetings. And he had been there for covered dish dinners and potlucks. And he had, here was this guy who had experienced incredible worship moments in, in one of those little churches somewhere. He had watched unbelievable miracles take place. He, he had seen lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear. And he had kissed babies and shaken hands at the door of those little churches as people gathered in and then as they left. And now suddenly all that was shut down for him. And in verse 9 he says, I, I was on an island. Don't you wonder if he might also have expressed those words of Jesus? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was admitting that a Christian man or woman or teenager can be in difficulty. It's part of life. I remember when I was a young boy, we used to sing an old hymn. It was old when I was young because it was published in 1885. And it said, I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep, but in Jesus I'm safe evermore. Now, I've always had a pretty vivid imagination. Some of you have learned that if you've heard me speak here on occasion. But even as a boy, when we would sing that song, I could picture the scene described in those words as this calm lagoon where you would sail in and drop anchor in this life and enjoy 
the tranquility of that placid, beautiful spot. But as I grew older, I realized that there aren't many placid lagoons for us to live in. Most of the time, you and I are living in some kind of a storm. John is living on an island. It's tough and it's difficult. And if he were like you or I, he would be saying, My God, why have you forsaken me? Because a lot of us, even this morning, are on an island. Sometimes it's an island of loneliness. Sometimes that can happen to us even when we're in a crowd like we are this morning. We can be surrounded by people and activity and yet there can be this loneliness that settles over us. It was four years ago this past September that Jane and I sat in a clinic and heard the word dementia as a diagnosis for my dear wife. It was only this past fall while sitting in the office of a neurologist that we heard the word Alzheimer's, though at this point I'm not sure there's a much difference. And it was this past April that I noticed an immediate change in her in one day and deterioration continued at a much sharper rate. This past Friday, she has now been in memory care for seven weeks. My hat's off to all of you who are caregivers because that is an incredible, incredible assignment. 24-7. Those of you who work in facilities as caregivers, my hat's off to you. But there were days, even when she was still there, that the loneliness would creep into our little home there along the banks of Fountain there were days when the issue was simply finding things that she had put away somewhere because they weren't in the place where she normally would put them away. So most days, we had at least one scavenger hunt trying to figure out where something was that we felt like the car keys, that we felt like we needed. And it's not a loneliness where you wish people would just stop by. It's the loneliness of being two people who've been part of each other's lives for 58 years and suddenly realizing that now you're not the same people living the same life. And if you're not vigilant, that loneliness can morph into hopelessness. But that's not the only thing that puts us on an island today. Sometimes sin can do that. It isolates people. If you have been a believer for a while and sin begins to take an incredible chunk out of your life, you can begin to pull away from the church or the church people or the people that have been your mentors and your caregivers because you feel like you don't deserve to be part of that anymore. And so you begin to self-isolate. And we perhaps should admit that a lot of things creep into our lives that shouldn't be there and they're there almost unknown. And we're on an island. Is there any hope? Misunderstanding can put us on an island. 
because feelings get hurt and we walk away from long-standing relationships and we begin to experience this self-imposed exile. I know I've told this story here before, but several years ago, we were at our daughter's house after the Christmas Eve service. And Jane and Jamie had prepared incredible food, wonderful things to snack on, and great. Just one of those wonderful evenings when we're sitting around the tree and we're having the things that were the snacks that have been prepared. And uh, our grandsons, Atticus and Conrad, they were young. Conrad was so eager, he was the youngest, so eager to get to the gifts under the tree that his attitude got out ahead of him a little bit. He was just a little guy. And things deteriorated to the point where we needed an attitude adjustment. So his dad placed him in time out over on the stairs that led up to the bedroom. And he was there within earshot of us. He could see into the living room. As we sat over there and continued to enjoy the wonderful food and Christmas music that was playing and laughing and sharing with one another. I mean, we didn't send him to his room. We weren't animals. We just put him in time out for a little while. Presents weren't being opened. We weren't depriving him of anything except that fellowship over there. And there on the stairs sat my comrade in a self-imposed exile. His feelings were hurt. And he was responsible for the fact that he was there. It was his fault. And I tease him about it to this day. And again, my imagination, I, would, I pictured him that night over there sitting on the stairs, and there was one of those bubbles over his head like you see in a comic strip. And I could see what he was thinking in that bubble. And he was thinking, this year's Christmas is bullcrap. hopeless on an island. But look back at the text because in verse 10, John says, I was in on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. And here's the lesson. I was on an island, but the island wasn't on me. And that, my friend, is the definition hope. And that expression, the Lord's day, is new here. It doesn't appear anywhere else in the New Testament. It was while on that island that John uses a phrase that from that time on will describe the day for the Christian church. The Lord's day. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. Can we talk can we just talk here this morning? Do you ever come to church and you're just not into it? I'll answer for you. The answer is yes. Listen, I've gone to church when I was not even near being in the Spirit. And I was supposed to preach. Sometimes the Lord has to pull us up short. To sit us on the stairs in time out. You know, you know what I'm talking about? When the Lord says... Just wait here. We got some things to deal with. Do any of you remember back in the day when you would see a child with a harness on and a leash 
I mean, that would be considered child abuse today. But we would see that. They had a harness and a leash. And the parent was holding the end of the leash as they walked through the grocery store or the, or the shopping center somewhere. And they had jerked that leash when the kids started running or showing some kind of attitude. They had learned. If I don't have this child under control, I'll never find him again. And I say him, it could have been a girl, but I think it would have been me. I was in a church not long ago, not a Nazarene church. And I was sitting about halfway back. And it was during the worship portion. And I was just amazed at the commotion that's going on in the sanctuary. Hey, we're, we're trying to worship here. It's people getting up and leaving and coming back in and kids running around and some of the kids jumping around and trying to sing the song and well and I'm sitting, standing back there and I'm watching all that movement and all of that distraction and I'm singing along but my heart wasn't in it. I was too frustrated by it all. And all the kids and my Lord, why doesn't someone do something? And as I stood there trying to read the words on the screen and half-heartedly sing along, I felt an impression on my crusty, old, cranky spirit that said, Hey, Tim, Mr. Pious One, have you ever heard that I said that a little child shall lead them? Hey, Mr. Holier-than-thou, Maybe if you put a little more energy into this and would join some of those kids in being joyful about this instead of standing there like an old sourpuss, I might be able to help you get in the Spirit on this Lord's day. I was pulled up short. Time out. Go sit on the stairs. These past seven months especially, I will admit, you that I've tried on many occasions to manipulate God. Anyone else try to do that? You don't have to. I don't need a show of hands because I know you have. I found scriptures that I thought I could use to put God in a corner and I prayed prayers that I was sure He couldn't refuse to answer that prayer. But what I discovered again and again was that I can't manipulate God but I can trust Him. So I'm determined that while we are on our island, we will not let this island be on us. We will be in the Spirit. Forgive me for referring to things that are so yesterday, but another song started running through my mind recently. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand for this one. My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Or this verse in Lamentations that the Lord showed to me several weeks ago. Lamentations 3.22 His mercies are new 
when? Every morning. I read Romans 15, 13 not long ago, and I held that verse to my heart. May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him so that you may overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. Listen, these are days when sometimes I don't even know what I'm hoping for. But my hope is in Him. And right now, I would imagine that many of us are like the little boy in the car seat, facing backwards. He doesn't know where he's going or where he is. He has no idea how long he's going to be gone. He doesn't know if the gas tank is full or empty or if there's oil in the engine. All he knows is that his daddy is at the controls. And he trusts his dad completely. And so can we. 2 Samuel 22.3 says, It speaks of the God of my rock, and in Him I will trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. And that is hope. Some of you might say, Tim, how, how, how are you working to get there? How do we get there? I'll just tell you, here's how I'm doing it. Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits the praises of His people. So I decided that my approach while on the island will be to simply give Him praise. Most of my prayers these days just consist of praise. Most of you know, in the Hebrew, the word for God or Lord was spelled Y-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H. And they sought <laughs> to pronounce that. Hebrews didn't like vowels. They didn't have vowels. And they worked to pronounce that, if they pronounced it, because many of them felt that it was sinful to even try to pronounce a name for God. But the way we pronounce it these days is Yahweh. 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 Every time you praise the Lord by saying hallelujah, you are saying the first portion of that old Hebrew name for God. Hallelujah. 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 Say it with me. Hallelujah. Again. Hallelujah. Louder. Hallelujah. And you were just praising Him. I praise you, Lord. I give you praise, God. The Halle means praise you, and Yah means Lord or God. When you find yourself on an island, give Him praise. Not for the island, but for who He is. For He inhabits those praises. Today we're going to share communion together. It is the first Sunday of the month. And I want to ask those who are helping if they would come and uh, to your places.
And I hope that your mindset will be today. While I'm on this island, I will still give Him praise. Again today, we will be inviting you to come to the front, take the bread and dip it into the cup. Um, this style of communion is not new. It started as early as the 6th century. If you are into liturgical phrases, you would know that doing communion this way is called intinction. Kind of a new word for me. I'd heard sometime in the past that it was also called sailor's communion, but I can't find any reference to that anywhere. The reason they started doing it this way was because there was a fear of spilling the blood of Christ. So they began to do this so that they couldn't spill that cup. If you're uncomfortable with picking up the bread and dipping it into the cup and eating it, there's a box here that still has the little individual communion uh, service and uh, it is gluten-free that is important to you as well. So I want us to wait here in His presence for a moment, and I want to ask you to come up this aisle or this aisle, go past, or uh, through the, I'm sorry, either way you come, get to somebody. <laughs> They've got the stuff for you there. And then make your way back to your seat. You can choose to eat the bread with the cup, even as you receive it, or you might want to kneel at this altar and talk to the Lord about the island you're on. And we'll pray together after everyone has been served. Please stand with me and come as you feel impressed to do so. Is there any hope? Yes. In the, in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is hope.
let me pray for you this morning. Almighty God, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pause to give you praise today. And we lift our hallelujah to you. For you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of our worship. We gather here today, Father, and we confess to you that part of the reason is we enjoy being with one another. But deep within our spirit, there is a desire, a belief that somehow we will experience you or we will please you or we will give you honor and glory simply by coming to a place and, and focusing for an hour on who you are. We love you today and we lift our love to you. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning who are on an island. I don't know what each one may be dealing with, but they all would have their own. Some of them may be large, and some of them may seem quite small. But Father, I pray that you'll be with them. That thing that is causing them great anxiety, that thing that is causing them stress, that thing that is causing them to worry, that thing that is causing them to be unsure, or maybe even challenging their faith, I pray that you'll be near them today. And as we enter into this new year, I pray that our faith will grow stronger as we continue to give you praise. So, Father, again, we lift to you a hallelujah, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you stand with me, please? We did a... Doing communion like this is a little more liturgical. So we've already been introduced to a liturgical moment here this morning. I'd like us to conclude with a liturgical moment. If you know the doxology, would you sing it with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Father, Son, and Holy May the Lord bless you and keep you. You just pronounced your own benediction. God bless you. Have a great day.